Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Good morning, everybody. You guys get a good night's sleep last night? Oh, really? First time in a long time, eh? Now, did anybody barely remember this morning that you were supposed to turn your clock back last, last night before bed? Anybody just this morning just remember that, didn't, forgot that? You did? Oh, that's why you came to second service. Is that why? Okay, I'm just kind of gauging the whole thing. Okay, um, before we begin, um, uh, if you're first time here, uh, my name is Jim Del Campo, and I'm the senior pastor here, which means I'm the old pastor. And uh, just, we're just glad you're here with us uh, to join us today. Um, but I want to begin by, uh, first off, uh, saying thank you to all of you that uh, volunteered, donated. You made our uh, Pumpkin Express, formerly known as the Artist um, Trunk and Treat, um, you made it into a great success. We got to bless a lot of people, and all of our campuses got to bless a lot of people. So it, it just re- really was a great, great thing. So thank you guys for all that you do, because my, and my gosh, you guys brought so much candy. It was incredible. Thank you for that, uh, because it just really was a blessing um, that you brought all that in and all the, all the volunteering, too. Um, today, we, we finished. Remember last week, we finished um, Galatians series. And as you join us here, maybe for the first time ever, uh, we follow, we, we teach out of books on Sunday mornings, but not all the time. This year, in this teaching uh, year, um, we're, we did Galatians letter, we're going to do Ephesians, and then Philippians, and we're going to do Colossians, and in between then we're going to do topical series. And today we begin a topical series, will be four weeks, and then we're going to go into a uh, Christmas topical series also and then after the new year we'll go back into things the books and stuff like that but today we're beginning a series on generosity and before you think it's all about money it's not um and before you run out screaming with your hair on fire no i'm joking but um uh today we're going to begin on generosity with our, with forgiveness next week generosity with our time the way you know the, the group's going to um a minister in Arizona, uh, they're giving their time and effort, the way people, classes, uh, volunteers all over the place, ushers and greeters and ask me and blend and every, you know, everybody's giving their time, the band, giving time and, um, and then we're gonna look at uh, generosity with the gospel because we should be generous with this gospel. We have the greatest message in, uh, in the world. Amen to that one right there. And then we're gonna look at finally gener- generosity with our finances because as a Christian, uh, we should be the, um, we shouldn't be greedy people. We should be the greatest blessers of people around, correct? And because we know God, God blesses us. And we, we know that we bless others, God blesses us. And so we understand that if we are truly followers of Jesus Christ. But today we're going to talk about forgiveness. And uh, honestly, I could speak on forgiveness every third week, and it still would never be enough because, let's be honest, in this room right here, watching at home, there's just enough unforgiveness that dwells in some of our hearts. Amen to that one right there? Now, I'm going to begin with a statement by C.S. Lewis. How many have ever heard of C.S. Lewis before? Raise your hand. Okay, he was a, he's been gone a long time. But he was a great theologian, philosopher. Uh, he could really defend the faith uh, like nobody's business and gave great illustrations of the faith. But here's what he said. He said, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has something to forgive. And isn't that true? We always think, oh, forgiveness, this is a great idea. I I believe in forgiveness until you and I have something to forgive towards somebody else, right? It's always a great idea. Now, Paul, a New Testament writer who writes 13 of the New Testament letters, the guy that hated Christians, his job was murder Christians, stomp out Christianity, and then what happens? He has an encounter with the resurrected Jesus Christ, life changes, and he becomes a church planner and writer of the New Testament, many books. He says this in the New Testament letter, Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. He says this, Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as, say just as. Just as. Okay, stop. The Lord forgave you. So also should you. The just as is going to come up a lot today in the text. Now, the main issue there is we're to forgive others. But the catalyst is, and the, I should better, not catalyst, but the definition is just as. 
that we're to do it just as. Now, when you go with the just as definition, meaning just as Jesus forgave, it does not leave us open to our own false interpretations of forgiveness. And, uh, you know, one of my least favorite uh, Christian slogans, it's an actual lie, is, is that it allows a person not to, I shouldn't say a lie, but it allows a person not to forgive. They say, well, well, you don't know what they did to me. And I've heard that one many times in my lifetime, but it doesn't match up against, well, if you think about what people did to Jesus and how they brutalized him and how they sinned against him, no matter what's happened to us, doesn't measure up to that. Any amens? And let me be honest, hasn't every one of us in this room, hasn't, haven't people sinned against us? Anybody? Have any, raise your hand if somebody sinned against you in your life. Now, put your hands down. Raise your hand if you've sinned against others. So we're all on the same team, same boat, right? And so let's just knock off the self-righteousness and justifications to try to get out of forgiving others, and let's, let's do the right things. Now, I, I want to begin, uh, and I'm going to do some more of this later on, because I want to give explanation and I want to help people. Um, I've, been, I've been around the block uh, uh, too many times, okay? I know the block too well. And, uh, but I want to talk about a few things about forgiveness as I go along. One is right now. For anyone here, um, if there's one or two of you or ten of you, um, if you're harboring unforgiveness, typically, more than likely, you are also attaching bitterness and anger possibly vengeful thoughts in your mind toward that person. Would you agree on that one right there? Yeah. Now, what you need to understand is as you do this, and this is why it's so important we forgive, that what you're doing is you're unforgiving and angry and bitter towards someone. You're actually revving your emotions constantly. Think of it like being in the car and you got your foot down, you're pressing it to the metal and you're running that engine and running that engine at high RPM and you have started with a full tank of emotional gas. But then you're going to get to the point where you're running on fumes emotionally. And you're getting near the end where you're going to go over the cliff of depression. And that does happen. Here's, here's the problem. And I've seen this maybe four or five times in my life. This particular thing I'm going to tell you right now to hopefully help somebody in this room. Um, when you're depleting your emotions due to unforgiveness and bitterness honestly some of some people if they didn't have bitterness and unforgiveness and anger they they would not have a reason to get up in the morning any amens that's the reason they get up in the morning but within all that as you're depleting yourself of your emotion because it's always revving once you get really low and the gas tank's almost empty you have to find energy somewhere because you cannot draw on the gas the gas is gone emotionally so what people typically do is they will use unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, and vengeful thoughts as kind of an energizer to give you energy to operate throughout the day. The problem with that is it's a doom loop. You're going to eventually go down the other side because pretty soon the fumes are all gone, there's nothing left. You only have that to draw on anymore, and then you'll go into depression, which is an emotional depletion. And once that happens... It, you can't recover in a day or a month. It doesn't happen that fast. It would take you maybe a year and understanding and counseling and everything because I've been through the depression. Anybody ever been through the depression before? I've been through it. It's not a fun thing to go through. Mine was due to workaholism over years and years and finally my tank was empty. But people can get there based on you know, their emotions and unforgiving and anger to use as energy. So you've got to really be careful with things like that. And I say that to somebody in this room that you got to start forgiving before your, your tank's empty. Because once it's empty, you're not good for anybody anymore. And it's going to be a long time before you can actually recover from that. Now, today, uh, we're, if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to go to Matthew 18. And if you're new to the Bible, new to Christianity, you're in for a treat. Because Matthew 18, the Jesus story, the thing he's going to tell the disciples here, it's, it's an amazing story. And those of us who are longtime Christians who know this story... Um, you know the math, you've done the math, the multiplication of it before, you understand what's coming, but for those of you new to it, it's going to be a real treat for you, it's just a great one, once you, I give you the background and the math and everything on it, but let me, we're going to start at verse 21 in a moment, Jesus, in previous verses of chapter 18, he has taught us, when we have to go confront somebody in their sin, he's taught us how to do that, he says you go by yourself first, 
If that doesn't work, no repentance, then you go, then you take another person with you. Take a mature person with you, okay? If that doesn't work, then you have to go before the whole church because now it's affecting everybody. I've only seen that happen one time in my life and it was like, <gasps> I was a young Christian. I was like, I can't believe this is happening. And the person still didn't repent. Um, but that's that. And by the way, Jesus in that story, when you confront people, he didn't say to yell at them. He didn't say to gossip about them. He didn't go say to go out and tell everybody, hey, they're doing it. Didn't none. No, no, no. You keep it right there. Just keep it right there. But now Jesus is going to shift gears. To the, with the disciples instead of like helping somebody else now he's going to shift to you and I we have to resolve our own unforgiveness in our heart and that's a restoration of the human heart through the redemptive power of Jesus Christ amen and it's a very important process that we cannot forget because once we forget once we lapse into an old way of thinking a humanistic way of thinking then we got the pedal to the metal again, and it's a matter of time before we're depleted. So we're going to have three points, but I'm going to start with the first verse. It kind of lays the foundation because Peter is going to ask a question. Now, it's good to ask questions. Young Christians, young people ask questions. People come and ask me questions all the time after service because you're going to go out there and some of your colleges are going to teach you there is no God, and they're going to take you all the way down there. Come and ask me questions, please so that they don't fool you, all right, into thinking there is no God, because it's a humanistic, materialistic world, meaning they believe there's no spirit, there's nothing behind matter, and the sad part is they think every decision you and I make, we're just dancing to our DNA molecules, there's no rhyme or reason why you even fell in love with the person you married. How pathetic is that? Amen to that one? Now, so look at the question here that Peter asked, verse 21. Then Peter came and said to him, he's speaking to Jesus, he says, Lord, how often, it's a great question, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? Now, when you hear that and Peter says up to seven times, you have to understand something, that Peter is padding or attempting to pad, in, pad his stats He's saying, look, I'll forgive up to seven times. What you don't know until you read the background and understand is that Peter knows, Jesus knows, all the hearers know in this moment that the rabbis taught that you forgave a person up to three times. Once you forgave them the third time, you were done. You don't have to forgive them anymore. You cut them off. Peter comes up and says, I'm going to top that. Jesus is going to think this is so cool. Jesus, how often should I forgive my brother who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus, now how many know, just don't ask Jesus dumb questions. <laughs> it's like, because you're going to get a lot, okay? He's going to teach you something, and you're going to walk going, I didn't want to hear that. But he's going to give it to us. And this is one of those stories that is, it, it, it's an ex, Jesus exaggerates and I'll explain more of that later and it's so cool three points here we go number one generous forgivers number one never keep score and I mean never now verse 22 and we'll explain this verse 22 says this here's this Jesus initial answer Jesus said to him I do not say to you up to seven times but up to 70 times 7. Now, some of you guys are math people. I'm going down on the floor here. Um, some of you say, uh, you got your math down. 7 times 70 is how much? 490. 490. Yeah, good, good. You're math people. Four of you. No. <laughs> now, our instantly, our brain starts to shift and starts to do some addition. And, and we're saying, well, you know, I'm up to 479 with somebody right now. Any amens? I got 11 to go and I'm free of that person for the rest of my life. And that's the way our brain thinks, right? Now, I brought my little prop with me today and this is a, you ever seen these little counters, these clicker counters? You guys know what that is? Yes or no? Okay, the little clickers. See, some of us, that's the way we walk around. We carry our little, it's in our head, but we don't hold it in our hand. But when people sin against us, and we're counting, right? Oh yeah, they, What? And that's what we do. We keep scoring our head. Do we not? Yes or no? 
Now, I'm going to date myself. Some of you people who are older than me, no, who are my age, um, you're going to know this stuff. But when I was a, a young kid, I mean, when I was little, um, my, my father, and I'm going back to 1961-62. I'm going back to before I was born, guys. I was born in the 50s. Can you believe that? Not 1850s either. So um, when I was a little kid, my dad started taking us to see the Los Angeles Angels. At that time, they were called that because the Angels, some of you old timers, if you remember, they used to share Chavez Ravine with the Dodgers. Anyone remember that? They both played at the, yeah, you remember, we were the same era. They, plowed, they shared the stadium because the Angels didn't have their own stadium. And so we'd go there to watch these games. And then in 1966, the Angel, Angel Stadium was built. And I remember going to the games, and I was there 10 years old, and uh, I went to a preseason game there before we went to regular season games, and I saw the very first home run. didn't count because it's preseason. I saw the first home run hit at Angel Stadium. Guess who hit it? Willie Mays. And I, some of you, who's that? One of the greatest hitters ever. And I got to see Willie Mays hit that home run. I was 10 years old. And so, continue on. And, and by the way, you know, my, I, I'm a blessed guy, you know, because my, parent, my, my mom and dad, my mom took the chance, you know, and, and hit in, in business, and then the money started rolling in. So I always like to say I'm Mexican privilege. <laughs> you guys you know I don't agree with any of this culture. Um, but my mom hit it, hit it with the money. And so she became a season ticket holder. They started buying season tickets. And I got to go to the Angel Games all the time. I could show up in the second inning, leave in the seventh, because I'm not going to fight the traffic. I'll be here tomorrow again. <laughs> this was great, man. I'm having such a great time. They were season ticket holders for 30-something years. Uh, my parents are past now. But when I was little, my dad would take us to the games. And some of you who are around my age, you, you might remember this. We go to the game, and my dad would pull out his little transistor radio. Anyone remember those? And the wire, like that, and they put it in the air, right? Remember those? Some of you have no idea. Go to the library. Check it out. Okay. But he wanted to hear the angels announcers rather than the loud system, loudspeaker announcers. So he'd listen. Then he'd buy the scorecard. And my dad would keep score. And then my dad taught me how to keep score. And I'm like elementary school, junior high, and I started keeping score. And that was a lot of fun. Now, when you keep score, you're charting balls, strikes, you're charting hits, singles, doubles, triples, home runs, RBIs, and you're also charting errors. And every time somebody makes an error, you write it down, you mark it. And as it is in the physical, like keeping score, so it is in the spiritual, in the mind. Some of us keep score all the time. We're always watching for people making errors. Oh, there's another one. Oh, they did that on purpose. <laughs> Don't we live in a culture now that's always doing this? Yes or no? That's yes. all they're doing. That's why we're so immature in this country. So we're not growing up in this country. But some of us in this room, we're charting every error that people commit against us. And we keep tabulating and tabulating. And here we find Jesus come along and Peter asks, how, should, how much should I forgive somebody when they sin against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus says, you are out of your mind, Peter. If you're going to be a person that changes the world, you need to understand something. It's 70 times seven. In other words, you don't keep score. You lose count. You don't, you don't count any. You just forgive and that's all you do. And that's one of the toughest things to do. Is it not? Very difficult. Now, let's continue on because we're not done yet. The second thing Jesus says is we have to forgive, to be a generous forgiver, forgive the unforgivable. Forgive the unforgivable. Now, this is where the story gets really, really good. Let me read 23, I think, to 27, and then I'll come back and I'm going to describe what's going on. This is Jesus speaking. This is the creator of the universe. He's a little smarter than us. Amen? For this reason, the kingdom of heaven, stop, 
Matthew writes down kingdom of heaven because Matthew is writing to Jewish people. He won't write down kingdom of God because you cannot write the name of God. Jewish people will reject this gospel. So Matthew will always say kingdom of heaven. Maybe compared to a king who wished to settle account with his slaves. So the king's bringing in all the people that own money. When he began to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. So they, now Jesus singles out a guy who owes 10,000 talents. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made. Stop two sidebars on this one before I continue. Remember that as a leader, husband, wife, if you're a wife, and you're a leader of a family, when you start making stupid decisions, go into addictions, start getting yourself in all kinds of mess-ups and problems, it does not just affect you, it affects your family. Because you're a leader in that family. And you need to set the trend in that family. His whole family is thrown in there, into that prison. I'll give you the second truth out of that one right there. The guy owes a lot and he can't pay it. The second sidebar is this. Don't spend what you don't earn. Any amens? Stay within your means. But Jim, I want what my friends have. So do I. Who doesn't? But you can't do that. We're all at different levels. Stay within your means. Do not get yourself in predicaments, situations that you can't get out of financially. Be wise, my friend. Now let's read on. So the guy owes a lot. So the slave fell to the ground because the king's going to throw him in jail and prostrated himself before him saying, here's what he tells the king, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. Let me tell you right now, that's an impossibility. And I'll tell you why in a sec. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. Okay, now watch. Let me show you what's just gone on here. The man owes him 10,000 talents, typically a, a talent, a silver Roman talent. 10,000 talents, that's what he owes. One, take one talent, silver Roman talent, one talent is the equivalent of about 6,000 denarii. One denarii is one day's wage of the average worker in that day. So 6,000 of these denarii are 20 years worth of wages. But that's just one of the talents. There are 10,000 that he owes. So when you do the multiplication, you now realize that the man owes the king 200,000 years worth of wages. Could he ever pay it off? He could never pay it off. It's insurmountable. So when he says, please give me time, I'll pay it off, he could never do that. I mean, this is a picture of how much God has forgiven us. We have been forgiven so much in our lives. That's why we can turn around and forgive the unforgivable because think of how many unforgivable things we've done or thought in our life and God has forgiven us. And so we're able to do this because we are to do it just as Jesus does it. Okay. I gotta explain some things now because some of you, your mind is gonna race and I have to anticipate your questions because you're gonna talk yourself out of what I just said. So I gotta give you some understanding of forgiveness. Okay. Let me tell you what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness doesn't mean that that person you forgive who sinned against you, that, they're, that you and they are going to become best friends. It doesn't mean that, okay? Because some of you think that. Have I ever seen that happen? Yes. I've seen people forgive and become best friends. That's an incredible God thing in the redemptive power of the blood of Jesus. Amen? Because only the power of God can do that. But it doesn't mean that. What it means is, there should be evidence though. Even It's not just lip service, oh I forgive. That doesn't mean nothing. Anybody could say that. There's got to be evidence. There's got to be, you've got to be able to be around these people. You've got to be cordial. You might even be able to sit around a group of people and they're there too and you can talk and this and that. You've got to be able to do these things because now you're becoming free and you're no longer a slave to the past. So, 
But it doesn't mean you may be their best friend or hang around with them. It doesn't mean that whatsoever. Now let me drill down further because somebody is thinking this. When I say to forgive the unforgivable, it doesn't mean that if you've been physically abused in that marriage or verbally abused, put down, you're stupid, you're an idiot, you're ugly, you're this, and you've been, you've been, it's been a barrage of ugly words and ugly words at you, and you finally get out of there. It, um, it doesn't mean that you forgive and go, well, I guess I just got to go back in there and get physically abused and told off every day. No, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that at all. Now, let me explain something. Let's say you're the wife who's abused and you split and you're outside of that. But you really believe God can redeem the marriage. You really believe it and you're hoping for that. And a lot of people do. Some of you are going, she should just dump him. Well, that's your thing. Some people really want to make the marriage work. And they believe God can do that. But here's how it's got to work. If you're the abuser physically or, or, or um, verbally, the typical scenario is you go back and say, forgive me, I've changed. Really? You just changed overnight like that, huh? Just turned over the new leaf. Is it possible? Yeah. Is it probable? Nah. Now let me insert my life in there so you can get a clear picture of what I'm talking about. I'm a senior pastor. I need to be a man of God, right? You would expect that, right? I'm a leader. I should be a man of God. Otherwise, why would you come listen to me? But if I committed adultery, should I be coming up here and preaching that next Sunday? Say no. There's no way. Because now what has to happen for me to be redeemed to do that ever, ever again in my life, I'm a leader. And leaders first must be tested. I went through years of testing in my faith to be able to finally come up here. But once I mess it up, guess what has to happen all over again? I've got to be retested. I've got to go to counseling. There's got to be evidence of repentance. And typically in my assemblies of God, that's two years. Two years of it. You've got to go through counseling and repentance. You have to if you ever want to get back up to there again. Now, that's because I'm a leader take that put it in marriage as a husband or wife you're a leader and once you blow it once you start verbally abusing or physically abusing guess what you have failed the tests and so now you must be retested to be able to be that leader again to be trusted so what has to happen is in the forgiveness process what you want to do, if you love that wife, if you're the abuser and you love that wife, you abuse, if you really love her, if you truly do and you're finally understanding what love really is, then you've got to be willing to go into counseling for a year. You've got to be willing to live separate from that person and to see change. Got, that person's got to see change in you. You've got to see transformation, that you're not going to be the same person again. And then after months go by, then you can start to date when the counselor probably says, I think you're ready. And you can date once a week. Because they got to see that you're doing right, that you truly are repenting. And I'll add another one. You, no sex either. Because you got to start all over again. you got to start like you're dating all over again. you got to prove it once again. That this woman, you love her, you want her, and you are willing to transform your life and not be well, like the abusers in your past. You want to be different. And so, when you forgive someone, it doesn't mean you just jump right back in. Okay, I guess I got to forgive and get beat up again. No, 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 no. It doesn't mean that what, at, at all, at all. Does that make sense? Let me give you one more thing about forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you're going to forget what someone did to you. What it does mean is you will remember it, but you will take the emotional attachments and you send it away because it's the emotional attachments that if you don't send it away that's what drives you into crazy thinking any amens? any amens? and so you have to understand that you'll never forget but you've got to send away the emotional attachments that's what forgiveness means to send it away the king said to the man I release you from these things he released the man now enough on that third point and that's this generous forgivers are expected to forgive the way Jesus forgave now watch this. 
This is where the story takes a nosedive. But that slave, the the one he's talking about is the one who's been forgiven 200,000 years of wages. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. You can find somebody who owes him money now. And he seized him. Begins to choke him. Telling him, pay back what you owe. So the fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you. Sound like earlier? Same thing this guy said to the king. But he was unwilling and he went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what he was owed. Huh. So his fellow slaves saw what had happened and they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. They go tell the king. Then summoning him, this guy that wouldn't forgive this other guy, hundred denarii, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt, 200,000 years of wages because you pleaded with me? Should you not have also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger. He was moved with compassion before. Now he's moved with anger. Handed him over to the torture. Say tortures. Until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly father will also do the same to you. If each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Okay, here's what's going on. The guy's been forgiven 200,000 years of wages. He turns around after he's been forgiven and he finds somebody that owes him 100 denarii. That's 100 days wages for the average worker. It's not even comparable to what he's been forgiven. It's not even close. But he won't forgive the guy. And he's demanding the money right now. Let me share with you, I forgot to say this in first service, but let me share with you why, another reason why such differences in the amounts. Why this guy has been forgiven by the king. The king is a picture of God. 200,000 years worth of wages. Why so much? Why, why all this tabulation? Because every sin that you and I commit against anybody or anything every one of those sins also is a sin against God so this is all encompassing sins 200,000 years worth of wages but he turns around and goes to this guy who owes him 100 denarii this is just what the guy owes him how he sinned against him so that's why a smaller amount this is just what somebody's done to me this is not a tabulation of all the sins we've ever committed because all sins against God can you imagine the horror in the disciples and people's minds when they hear because they know the amounts when they hear that this guy will not forgive this guy now let me show you five things if I can remember them off the top of my head that the king does it's very important in what I just read the king is told what happened and that tells me God knows everything in our heart and in our lives any amen he knows when we won't forgive the king is also angry and you and I can grieve the Holy Spirit by not living correctly for God. Can we not? Yeah, we can. The king also exposes the heart of this man when he says, you should have had mercy. In other words, you have no mercy. So he exposes the man. The king also offers correction. You should have forgiven just as I forgave. He gets, that's the correction. And then he offers corrective pain turn him over to the tortures the tortures what are the tortures if you live in unforgiveness you know what the tortures are but let me explain it to you I have shared with you before my son Nathan who drum he drums today sometimes he's a host when we play games and I'm going to warn you about him okay right now you ever play games with him or whatever he has a line that he says and he wants this he goes I'm in your head aren't I and he loves that and if you let him in your head boy he boy he gonna take you for a ride man 
If you start reacting to his little comments and stuff, he'll go, oh, I'm in your head, I'm in your head. And he's got you now, and he's got you. And when we're playing games or whatever, he'll tell me, I'm in your head. I go, you're not in anybody's head. And I'm all riled up about it, so. But he says, I'm in your head. When you don't forgive, where is that person at? Where are they at? They're in your head. They're in your head. They're living in your head rent free. They're in the Marriott of your mind. And they're not even paying resort fees to swim around in your head. How many hate resort fees? That's the biggest rip off this last five years or whatever. But they're in there and you let them in there and you let them in there and you keep nursing it and nursing it and it's torture. It's torture in your mind because you won't release it because you got them in there and you're choking them and they don't even know that they're being choked because you're the one who's being choked by your own unforgiveness. That's the warning. That's the thing Jesus is telling us. Now listen, listen, listen. I'm going to give you three applications real quick before I seal the deal here. Okay, the first one. I think it's the first one. Yes, the first one. I'm going to pick on you wives, but I could pick on the husbands. It can go either way. Okay, so don't hate me after this, okay? I drive a white car if you want to egg it. It's a... What kind of car you drive, Dan, so I can see your car? <laughs> but let, it could, you could spin it the other way. Because I, I see this too much. Some of you husbands watching home, none here, because everybody looks holy here. You wonder why you're always in trouble with your wife's mad at you again. And you don't even know what you do wrong or did wrong or are going to do wrong, Right? Don't, no, don't say amen. I don't want to know. <laughs> it's almost like you're, everybody ever, ever watch Everybody Loves Raymond? You know, what's her favorite line for Raymond? She always says, you're an idiot. That's what she calls him all the time. And I remember that one time when she told him, she goes, you know what? I'm too tired tonight. Just call yourself an idiot. I'm going to bed. And she tells him. It was one of the funniest lines ever. But you husbands, you don't know why. Why am I in trouble? Why is she mad at me? I don't even know what I do wrong. But it's a chronic thing. Let me tell you what might be happening. Listen up, wives, because anyway, we could spin it. It could be the husband that way, and wives are going, I don't even know what I'm doing wrong. Because wife might have some daddy issues there. Some unforgiveness towards somebody in the past. And then she marries you. Remember, her dad was a man, husband, and father. And if you got married and you have kids, now you are the man, the husband, and the father. And she takes daddy's face, and guess who she puts it on? Who does she put it on? Say it, guys. Don't be afraid. First service, they said it loud, man. Puts it on you. Puts it on you. But wives, listen. Is that really the way you want to live? You got to forgive. You got to let go. You got to let go. You got to forgive that person in the past. Because all it's doing is destroying in the present. And that's all it's doing. Let me give you another one. This one's to help me. You came from another church. And that pastor, I don't know, maybe did something wrong and maybe hurt you or whatever he did. And you come here. And you watch me and you're like this. <laughs> Boy, I'm waiting for that gym to make a mistake. really I'm going to make a mistake why don't you get one of these and, and start counting yourself okay that'd be healthier you got to forgive that pastor in the past because you're just going to turn me you're going to put his face on me and you can't do that or some of you you had friends that burned you and they hurt you that you're pretty good so what do you do you make new friends you might even come into a small group or whatever and you're just watching. Oh, I see. Okay. You're hiding it in the small group. <laughs> oh. 
and you're always giving yourself your reason based on your past pain because you won't forgive of why you don't have to hang around those people and you can leave them and cut them off because everybody's against you. Some of us, you got to forgive because the bitterness is so deep and you think, and you're passing to your family, you go, oh, my family doesn't know how much unforgiveness and bitterness and anger and revengeful. They don't know. (laughs) Really? You think you can hide it? No. In fact, the New Testament says in Hebrews, Hebrews 12, that let no root of bitterness spring up. It spreads and it defiles many people. You're passing it to your children. Don't you want to be the one that breaks the cycle? That it stops now? I'm going to be the forgiver? I'm not going to pass this to you? You say, my kids are all old now. It's too late. Never too late. You could change. You can walk the way God says now, not the way the world says, not the way the people at, at, at your work say, yeah, don't forgive that person. Really? No. You can change the cycle of the family, but you've got to have the guts to do it, and you've got to forgive, you've got to let it go. Let me, let me finish it this way. Okay, so, I, um, in the last um, couple months, it, it's been kind of rough. Because here at New Beginnings, most of you don't know, but we've lost three really good guys. They passed within a two-month span. Uh, We lost uh, Rick Capagna. They always sit front row for service. You know, he got saved in the last three years. He was 70 years old, but I I told him, I said, God saved him while he could still be saved. Isn't God good? God knew what was coming because God can see all, and God saved him. And then there was Pedro, Linda's husband. He was an usher. And he he died suddenly. Just the sweetest guy. And I tell my wife, I go, man, I wish I was as sweet as Pedro. And then we lost Alan Burns. Some of you don't know him. He was a deacon here years ago. Brain cancer, gone in a month. I I got to eulogize the first two. I'm going to do eulogize Alan a week from tomorrow. And I always meet with the families. I want to get more information to make the best funeral I can possibly make for them. And uh, when I was talking to Linda, Pedro's wife, um, she told me, she shared this with me. She said that Pedro used to keep this paper in his wallet. And she showed it to me, and I took a picture of it. He kept it wherever he went, he took it with him. And here's what it said. Jesus paid a debt he did not owe. We owe a debt we could not pay. And I thought, how profound and how true. That we've been forgiven so much. A mountain of sin. And then we turn around and we can't forgive somebody. No. Jesus said this, and this is from the words of Jesus, the lips of Jesus. If you do not forgive others, then God in heaven won't forgive you. Now, I didn't say that. That's Jesus' words. That's heavy, man. That's heavy. But I think he's saying it to, to enforce the reality that you've got to set yourself free. You can't live in unforgiveness. You gotta release it. You gotta let it go. And you watch the Spirit of God begin to flow through you again. Because all that unforgiveness, bitterness does is clog you up. And you gotta let it flow again. Let the Spirit flow again in your life. And you watch what God does when you walk in the truth of God's Word. Amen. Let's pray. Father, there are plenty of us around that harbor unforgiveness and we pretend that we don't. And we justify it too. But when the words were to forgive just as come into play, you can't justify anything. And we can't live in lip service, oh, I just, I forgave him. That doesn't mean anything. What's the evidence? 
If anything, we should be the greatest forgivers on the planet. We live in a world that lives, that just loves to bring up and keep bringing up ancient grievances. We Christians, no. We forgive the past and we just move forward and trust the Spirit of God. Now, you're here today, not by accident, not coincidence, but by God. And you may not be a follower of Jesus Christ. You've never given your life to Him. You've never sold out to Him. He's the God-man who came to earth to visit His creation. He went to a cross. They brutalized Him. They tortured Him. He carried our sins on His body. They kill Him. He's buried. Three days later, according to the Scriptures, He rises from the dead. Resurrection. Resurrection power, because the God-man can do that to give us new life that blood that he shed on that cross is to forgive us of our sins without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness it says and we've all got about 200,000 years worth of sins against God because all sin is against God but Jesus came to forgive all that because if he didn't when we die we'd go directly to hell there's no other options guys but he opened the door to heaven It's a narrow door, but it's there. It's through Him. And you can take opportunity. You can take advantage of that and give your life to Him. Or not. Nobody's going to force you. But I'm going to give you an opportunity today. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus, and you'd like to today, or you backslid, and you know what that means. You've walked away. You're not living for God anymore. Maybe it's been months or years or decades. But you know. You know. It's time to come back. So I'm going to give you an opportunity right now if you'd like to place your faith in Jesus or rededicate your life. And here's what I want you to do as a sign between you, me, and God. I want you to open up your eyes, look up at me right now. I'm going to look back at you. When our eyes meet, you can close them, but do it now. Now I'm going to say a prayer. And those of you who looked up at me, I want you to repeat this prayer. Everyone here is going to say it with you. So you're not by yourself. But what you have to do as you say the prayer, you've got to put your faith in Jesus Christ as God. He is the deity. He's the God-man. And that you've got to believe that he died for your sins and that he was buried and that he rose from the dead because all of Christianity banks on the resurrection and there is historical evidence eyewitnesses to that historical fact but you got to believe it so I want everybody to say it out loud those who looked up at me repeat it and believe it here we go thank you Jesus for loving me so much that you would spread out your arms on that cross to be brutalized tortured murdered for my sins you shed your blood to forgive me forgive me Lord of all my sins and I know I'm forgiven I believe you today I give you my life I follow you thank you for saving me Now let me pray. God, I pray for everyone who looked up. Good for you. Good for you. New Testament teaches if I confess with my mouth Jesus Christ the Lord and believe in my heart God raised him from the dead then I'll be saved. Your name has just been transferred into the book of life into eternity. God knows his own. But now you got to begin to walk it. That's the evidence now that you truly believed it. Get in a church, worship God, get a Bible if you don't have one, one that you can understand. Start reading in the New Testament. Stay there for a couple years. Tell somebody around you that you looked up today and you said that prayer. You got to tell somebody. 
Do not keep this to yourself. Christianity is not some silent, solo thing. We thank you, God, for this day, for all the goodness, all the things you did today, and help the rest of us who are harboring unforgiveness here or watching online, help us to repent of our sins and quit justifying it and to remember that we have to forgive just as you have forgiven us of all of our sins. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all say amen and amen. Stand up with me, everybody. I got a few things, and then I'm going to let you guys go. If you looked up at me for, and said that prayer for salvation rededication, do yourself a big favor, and go let somebody pray for you after service, please, here in the corner. If you have any other prayer needs, you can go to the corner and have them pray for you. Physical offerings, drop it at the boxes there. Thank you for your, your um, generous giving. The, or, uh, the uh, uh, Operation Christmas Child shoe boxes that you took, please bring them back full. Because some t- every year, 20 of them never come back. We cannot just be good intention people. We've got to follow through with what we say we do. Also, men, I'll be there. Pew. Um, November 19th, sign up for the axe throwing. It's going to be a lot of fun, 30 bucks a guy. Last time we did it, it was a great time. Other than that, I think we're just ready to repeat. Here we go all together. Lord, keep me outward focused and fill me with your spirit. Give me the boldness to share the gospel with others. Open up opportunities to minister outside the church because I see what I'm looking for and make me into a generous person like you. Have a great day. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.